Hi, this is Margie Bissinger, and today we'll be mapping happiness in the 15-minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it invites us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care, our recommendations, and our outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique, and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15-Minute Matrix, I've invited Margie Bissinger back to the mic. Margie is a physical therapist, health coach, and happiness trainer. Margie has over 25 years of experience helping people with osteoporosis and osteopenia improve their bone health through an integrative approach. Margie is the host of the Happy Bones, Happy Life podcast, and you can find her previous 15-Minute Matrix episode, Mapping Osteoporosis, at 15minutematrix.com. That topic was episode number 214 of the podcast. But I invited Margie back to speak into her other passion. Margie believes that happiness plays an integral role, not just in our bone health, but in our overall health. She's been teaching her patients happiness habits for over 35 years and has seen the powerful effects happiness has on chronic pain and recovery. Margie created the Happy Me, Happy Life online program to help people live more empowered and joy-filled lives. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode as Margie has generously shared a couple of happy resources with us. Margie, welcome back to the 15-Minute Matrix. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here with you, Andrea. I'm super excited to switch gears with you today and talk about what I know is one of your favorite topics, and that's happiness. I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but how do you define happiness and how do we define it for ourselves? You know, it's so interesting because a lot of people think, oh, happiness, you know, you're just walking around with this plastered grin 24-7 and sort of in like a Pollyanna state of denial, but that's not what it is at all. That's not the happiness that I'm talking about. It's a deep sense of peace and well-being that's not dependent on your external circumstances because as we know, life is challenging and life is stressful, but it you know gives you the resilience that you still have that inner sense of peace and well-being regardless. And I recently added another part to my definition, living your life in color. Because just so often, you know, people Mm. live in black and white and they just sort of get by. So I wanted to add another piece to the definition. And talk more into that. What does it mean to live our lives in black and white versus in color? I just think a lot of people go on day to day and, you know, everything's okay. And they just go on with emotions, but it's void of that passion, that excitement, which we all deserve and we all can have. And a lot of people don't realize that 
life can be more than that. We should thrive. There's no reason to just sort of exist. And so I think that's the difference. You know, if you look at the Wizard of Oz in black and white and then in color, your life is just so much more vibrant and rich and full of things that give you passion. So it's different for every person, but I think it's accessible to all of us. Yeah, I want to get into how we cultivate happiness. But before we do, I know you've sat with this topic for a long time, and I know you love the science and the physiology. Do we have an understanding of where happiness sits in the body and what it does for our health? Oh my goodness, there's so much research on happiness. That's the crazy thing. They did a study and they showed that on an average, happier people live nine years longer. And cortisol, which we all know how important that is, is 32% reduced in people who are happier. So, you know, in 47% reduction in sleep disorders. So there's so many reasons where happiness fits in, in parts of happiness. You know, they've done research on forgiveness and they find that forgiveness is people who, you know, add forgiveness, they actually reduce their cholesterol, improve their sleep. They have a decreased risk of heart attack, improve their blood pressure. So there's just so many reasons, you know, so many pieces of the puzzle with happiness affect our health. And I think for practitioners, it's so exciting that you can add this piece and really make a big difference in someone's health. Because when people are in the sympathetic state, they're not gonna heal. So there's just a huge correlation and it really sits everywhere in the body. I mean, I'm a physical therapist. And so what I would see was it was sitting in the muscles, but it can manifest itself in just so many different ways in the stomach. It, It could manifest itself everywhere. So when we think about all of those physiological impacts, and like you said, there's a lot of research, how do we actually start to unpack, particularly in working with other people, as I know you do, what might trigger our happiness and in contrast, what might subvert or get in the way of the happiness that we're seeking? You know, there's so many different parts to that. The course I teach, there's like seven whole modules on different parts, but it could be anywhere from just the very beginning. I mean, I think this I would see all the time, you know, in, with patients is the foundation. You know, is someone a victim in life or a victor in life? You know, when people are in the poor me and just complaining or blaming or shaming, like living in that energy, that doesn't help heal. It also totally saps your happiness. So I think I always start where the person's the weakest, but that's always a good place to start. And just making that shift instead of focusing on the problems, you know, what's going on, to focus on solutions, because that's where we can really make change. And that just that little mindset, and I catch myself sometimes, you'll feel sorry for yourself. And just making that little shift is huge and really helps people start healing and looking at their situation in a different way. Yeah, that's such a muscle when I think about it. Like, I'm just so curious, Margie, how you actually teach people this, how they're receptive to it. Like, you know, when we might offer that somebody's going into victim mode, how willing (laughs) are they to hear it, to look at it, and to start to flex a muscle that may not have been exercised very much? 
I think there's different ways. When I teach the class, I just teach it as a concept and give quotes about people who were real victors, you know, someone who went blind, but yet then she did more with her life later on, you know, different scenarios. So in, in a class situation, it's easy to teach. But sometimes if it's a person, you can just tell them about yourself. You know, I find myself, but if you want to heal, you know, and use it more in a healing mode. And then the other way is you can play a game and it's, you know, blame, shame, and complain, like as a family or something, you know, and just catch yourself. And maybe you put, you know, like a penny or a dollar in, in a jar and just see how often, you know, make it like a fun thing in terms of working towards shifting from blaming, shaming, and complaining to more focusing on solutions. So I don't think you accuse anybody. You know, you can just say, you know, these tools have helped me or however you want to present it or just shift the conversation, you know, because so often somebody can come in and they're just going on and on and, you know, you can stop them and say, okay, I understand. So let's think about solutions. <laughs> You're just running shift their mindset. Yeah, I really appreciate that because in thinking about the full body system students and the conversations that often arise with clients or patients that might be kind of stuck in a certain mindset or going on and on about who said what to them, the he said, she said, I always think about going into the dispassionate compassion, like how do we practice empathy? And what you're talking about, what I hear is functional empathy. It's using tools and tactics to shift the conversation to get over to your side of the table, so to speak, and not be reaching across to try to fix and allowing yourself to go into solution or resolution as a practitioner, as well as a human. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about. So when you teach about happiness and you're teaching these concepts, you said there are seven modules. Is there more just overarching that you can share with us that you think through? Yeah. So the first one is the foundation, being a victor in life and not a victim. Then the mindset, you know, the unfortunately 80% of the average person's thoughts are negative. So what can we do to shift that? And there's different techniques and just, you know, a big part of that is focusing on what's good because there's so many people that really don't focus on that and don't even see the good that already exists in their life. You know, in savoring, there's some other things that we can teach that are so powerful. And, you know, because the body doesn't know if it's real or perceived. So people can be having all sorts of stress, causing all sorts of issues because of something that's not even true. Then there's the pillar of the heart, you know, living with an open heart, gratitude, loving kindness, all of those practices are just so powerful and life enhancing. The fourth one is the body, which everyone listening here knows that, you know, if you don't take care of your body, that's going to totally affect your happiness, like your sleep, everything. So that's just, you know, really nourishing your body with good food as well as exercise. Then the fifth is the soul, the pillar of the soul or connecting to a power, whatever you call it, just an energy greater than you are. And when people plug into that, whether it's through journaling, whether it's for looking for signs, this is actually my favorite. It's amazing. And it's not the first one if I'm working with patients that I will even attempt to go to. I found people were resistant to this. And I used to not even really talk about it. But when I would teach, whether this is meditation or journaling, but when people started this practice, once they started plugging into the spirit or whatever they called it, whatever it was, it's really very powerful. 
then passion and purpose. You know, are you living your life with passion and purpose? And I think a lot of people, you may not find it in your job, but this really can impact people if they're going through their day doing things that they really don't like. And it's just making people aware of that, what they're passionate about, and trying to incorporate that into their life. And then the last part is, and this is very, very important, who you surround yourself with, your environment and the people you know, your community, because there was a very big study done called the Harvard Study of Adult Development. And Dr. Robert Waldinger was one of the people who was involved with it. And they took men back in, there's 724 men back in 1938. And they've looked at them till, you know, they were in their 90s and they're still looking. And what they found, the single most important thing for people being happier and healthier was good relationships. So were they connected to family, friends, community? So I think this is such an important piece because I've seen so many people over the years and that was a problem. They didn't have a community or they had a very negative community. You know, they were in these groups that just did not elevate their happiness. It did this the opposite. So I think all of those areas really put together is what creates our happiness. And there's just many practices. There's, you know, 21 happiness habits that you can teach, you know, that have been proven to really help people increase their level of happiness. And I think that's the exciting thing. You know, research has showed no matter where you start, you can elevate your happiness set point. I love this. I love the pillars because it helps us to see that we really can break it down and develop different habits or patterns or behaviors that start to shift things for us. And they they don't have to be huge. It could be, like you said earlier, that muscle of switching from the victim to the victor and just that recognition. It starts with that recognition. I know I have little practices that I do every day to help me ground and come into who I am, what I want, how I want to focus that day, really setting intentions. And when you were talking about that favorite one of yours, that soul connection, that fifth pillar, it made me think of how much joy I'm currently experiencing in my life with a friendship that I created with a woman across the country. We met in a writing program and she prescribes to a very different faith than I do. And she's very vocal about that faith. And I love experiencing that difference and seeing how it enlivens her and what joy it brings her. And it makes me sort of not want to adopt her religion, (laughs) but find my connection to something that feels as joyful and powerful for myself and be in dialogue with her about it. And that's something newer for me. You know, I grew up with a faith, but I don't have one that I connect to now. And it's interesting to think about how our spirit, our soul connection, our faith, however we want to identify that is a part of our joy and happiness. It's so true. And it's so amazing how you can receive guidance if you're just open to it, you know, whether that's your sixth sense or whether you get signs. It's just incredible once you open to that piece and connect into whatever it is. For some people, it's prayer. For some people, it's their religion. For some people, it's just connecting to the greater energy. It doesn't matter what you call it. But yes, it's so, so, so powerful. 
Yeah, the ocean, the forest, the mountains. I mean, those are the times for me where I feel most in the essence of happiness and joy, even if it's a struggle, even if I'm challenging myself, there's still that ability for nature, the universe that's larger than me. I think that also takes us out of the victim mentality. Yes, it really does. You're sort of in awe and you're connected to this greater energy. And it's, yes, it's so very powerful and really makes a big difference. And I've been shocked. One of the techniques I like to use is journaling and, you know, where people just keep writing and, or even asking questions, you know, you have a question on your mind, just write it down and ask for guidance. And it's always amazing how it helps people. You know, all of a sudden they'll really figure things out in the journal and they'll, it's amazing when they do adopt a practice. So Margie, we will link to all of your resources in the show notes, but if you were to be able to tell us all, particularly us practitioners, something about happiness that you feel like we're either getting wrong or missing or overlooking that would help us in our own lives, but also in our outcomes with our clients or patients, what would that be? I think, number one, realizing that we all deserve to be happy. And I think a lot of people think it's selfish to be happy. And there's so many other things I need to do. And we're all so wonderful and kind to our patients. So a couple of things. One, being kind to yourself is so important. Self-love is really where everything starts. But the second thing is to know and to even impart this to your patients. It's the least selfish thing you can do because we have mirror neurons. So our brain is mirroring the neurons of someone else and it's contagious. So when we're happier and we are presenting ourselves as a role model, we transmit that to our family, to our friends. It goes several layers beyond. And so it's probably the least selfish thing you can do because the planet needs more happiness. Depression and antidepressants are higher than they've ever been. But I think that people should realize how important this is that it's not a luxury. Everybody deserves this. And I think the other thing is that it's possible. You know, only 10% of our happiness is based on circumstances, which everyone thinks, you know, if only I did this, I'd be happier. So I think that to make it a priority and that we all deserve this, and it's just such a win-win when you see your patients eyes light up. And, you know, I was working with chronic pain and people were miserable. That's where I saw how powerful this was. But it's just when you see them excited about life, excited about embracing their day and you as well. I think it's just such a win-win. And I think it's something that we should all incorporate. And I, I really believe you'll see so many benefits for yourself as well as in the people that you're working with. Mm, beautiful. Such an important conversation, Margie. Thank you so much for joining me back here on the 15-Minute Matrix and sharing your wisdom with us. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. The 15-Minute Matrix is hosted and produced by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. The podcast is edited and mixed by Brian Paik of Pacific Audio, and special thanks to Natalie Merrill, Alia Hale, Pamela Geismar, and Rowan Bradley for their support in making the 15-Minute Matrix possible. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If you'd like to see the completed functional nutrition matrix that accompanies today's or any episode, be sure to head over to the podcast website. Again, that's 15minutematrix.com. We love when you share our episodes with your friends and colleagues, leave a review and rate the show. That helps us to grow our collective message that functional nutrition is the future of healthcare. Also, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Functional Nutrition Alliance, and you can follow me at Andrea Nakayama. And if you or someone you know is interested in becoming a functional nutrition counselor, head over to fxnutrition.com to learn more about our Full Body Systems program. Full Body Systems is our 10-month immersion course where you'll learn the systems-based approach to addressing the root causes of your clients' issues through client education, diet, and lifestyle modification. Again, you can always learn more at fxnutrition.com.